The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, it just makes you feel that much less alone. Oh. There's a Dexcom. Yeah. Um, one, one fifty nine. I'm going high. Uh, let me let me check my let me check my blood sugar just while we're here. Blood sugar check. Because I don't have a CGM, I was not notified that my blood sugar is even higher than yours, Austin. Uh, but before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulin Podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Hello, hello, welcome back. I hope you've all had a fantastic week. My week has been good. Blood sugars, steady enough, up and down, but that's expected. I'm gonna get straight into it. I have a special guest today, a fellow diabetic, somebody you may or may not know, but you definitely will know after this. He is a diabetes advocate, a public speaker. He was crowned the Diabetes Male Influencer of the Year and somebody who I'm delighted to now call a friend, Mr. Austin First in Dallas, Texas. Austin, what how are you? up? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm delighted to have you on. I know we, we usually share a few words over Instagram, but we haven't actually properly spoken in a while, so... It's good to hear your voice. How are you? Uh, how are you holding up with everything going on? Man, you know what? I am. I'm doing pretty well. Um, it's it's, it's kind of hit or miss, like on a, on a like weekly basis, sometimes daily. Like one week will be great. I'll be find my groove. Then the next, I'm just like, eh, I'm good. I'm just laying in bed for another seventeen hours. <laughs> and do you think because you're maybe not doing as much or you're indoors for more time now than you previously would have been have you noticed any difference with your diabetic life um i i have so i like if, when um i was first under like self-isolation or quarantine whatever you want to call it like i just noticed my blood sugars would like i cannot get them down uh, and I, at first I didn't know why I was like, okay, well maybe I'm just not like moving enough. And even like when I like stood and I took walks and stuff, my body was just like, 
not used to it because I'm usually moving around all the time, all day, every day. And so I think I was at the end of the day, my butcher, my body was just not adapting to being as active um, as I usually am. So I was just kind of like out of luck and had to wait for my body to adapt. And I ended up raising um, my basal rates. So that helped a little bit, but it just took like a week or two to finally get to a point where my body could actually function um, at normal level or at peak performance. Yeah, isn't it funny? I was the same. Obviously, because we've both now had diabetes for so long that you get into that kind of steady routine and you know what you're going to be doing each day, how much insulin to take, usually the amount of insulin to use per meal. And then all of a sudden, you're almost trapped indoors. And particularly if you are diabetic, you're, you're told to stay indoors even more than a quote unquote normal person. So even for myself, that change has not just influenced the amount of insulin that I require. It also has led me to more frequently reaching for foods I wouldn't necessarily reach for because I'm inside and I feel I've more time to look at and, and think yeah. about food. Oh. It's harder to avoid 100%. the so-called bad foods. I, I mean, even this morning, um, I woke up at like 10. And I was like, I could, I, I could literally just lay here and no one would say anything. Uh, but I had cinnamon rolls that I bought that had just been sitting there staring at me in the face <laughs> in my fridge. So I was like, you know what? I can, I can go make cinnamon rolls. And they were like 53 carbs a piece. There are like five of them. I ate two of them. Um, and they were the best things I've ever eaten in my life. And how are your blood sugars after those ones? Um, they're actually not too bad. I, I, so whenever I eat something like super high carb or I have a super high like protein shake um, type meal, um, I always give myself um, half the dose with my insulin pump and then half the dose with a Frezza, which is inhalable insulin, um, which acts super quickly and um, makes my blood sugars awesome whenever I eat super high carb meals. And so I, right now I'm sitting at 129. So it's gone up a little bit, but still not bad. 129 is a, a nice steady, steady pace to be at with your blood yeah. sugar. Yes, a whole 100%. I, I, I don't think a fra- it's aphrasia, isn't it? Aphrasia, that's I, how you pronounce it? I, I think so, maybe. I don't, I don't know. That, that's, that actually, I don't think, has reached Ireland yet. And the first time that I even saw something like that or saw that there was inhalable insulin, I just couldn't believe it. And it was actually at the diabetic awards that me and you met at in Hollywood in October that I saw that for the first time. I couldn't believe it. So have you been using inhalable insulin since October? Uh, Yes. Um, So I've been using it. I don't use it like as an everyday replacement especially since I have my insulin pump, but it is great for super stubborn highs or whenever um, I'm eating, like, again, I said a high carb food um, or like my protein shake. Cause I, I have like one of those meal replacement protein shakes cause I don't eat enough food. Um, it's hard for me to get enough 
proper calories and into me. Uh, and so I'll split the doses up. Um, and it just, oh, it works wonders, man. You're making me want to use it now. <laughs> you're, you're really selling it well. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll sn- next time I'm in uh, Dublin, I'll, I'll sneak you some. You'll have to bring some over, definitely. <laughs> uh, Listen, I saw yesterday, I saw your Instagram post. You know, I always love your Instagram posts. But yesterday in particular, I saw two photos that you put up because you were basically wishing your mother a happy Mother's Day in America. And one of them was you now with your mother. And then the other photo was you as a young child. You looked yeah. maybe four or five at the time. And your mother was injecting you with, obviously, insulin from a syringe. Yeah. What age, what age were you diagnosed? Uh, so I was diagnosed at two. Um, so I was, I was a, a wee little dude. So obviously you can't compare kind of growing up without diabetes to growing up with diabetes but how was it growing up from obviously a very very young age having your mother or somebody else in your family basically have to look after your blood sugars and inject you with insulin and make sure you're always on top of your diabetes in a sense um no i i'm i'm very lucky to have the the family and the parents that i i do um because they took they took so ki- good, uh, such good care of me. Words are hard, um, and because of that, and the way that they they prompted me to grow up, um, they did a very good job of. Here, I'll, I'll explain it this way. Uh, when I was when I was two, I was diagnosed. Um, by the time I turned four, my parents um, taught me how to give myself injections, um, and when I turned five my parents taught me how to count my own carbs. Um, so they taught me how to be very independent, um, from a very, very early age. Um, and especially with diabetes, that's, that's huge. Um, and so girl, I growing up, I don't really remember, um, like what it was like, like for them to take care of me, um, or I guess to, depend on them to take care of me um, because they gave me the tools to kind of do it myself. Um, and so I, when I was in elementary school, I would like educate my entire class on what diabetes was and how to take care of me um, on the very first day of, of school so that everybody knew how to do it, even the teachers, the kids, the nurse, everyone. Um, and so I've been, I've been taking care of like myself in one way or another, um, since I was very, very young. So my parents are who I am thankful for to, for teaching me all of that. That's unbelievable. I can't believe that you were injecting yourself at four and carb counting at five. Did you, like, I'm blown away because I knew that you, I knew that you had it from a very young age, but I didn't realize that you, you were so well versed in how to, manage your diabetes at such a young age i don't know how well i was good at carb counting or injecting they probably almost gave myself like 20 units of insulin on accident but i kind of knew how to do it and did you understand the concept of diabetes and why you needed to do what you were doing or or did you do it just because it was just habitual to you um that's a good question i i think i did it just because it's what i knew 
that's what I grew up doing. I didn't, I didn't know anything else. Um, because I was diagnosed at such a young age, I don't remember a time before diabetes. And it's, it's, it's never occurred to me that people don't do what I do on a daily basis. Um, so whenever I look at a plate of food, I don't see chicken and broccoli and potato. I see um, numbers and carbs. Um, and that's what I've always seen my entire life. Yeah, it's funny because, well, not funny, but (laughs) (laughs) the way that you kind of, you grew up with diabetes and you don't know anything different. And then for me personally, now I don't know anything different, but I lived my life up to the age of 19 without diabetes. And then boom, just like the flick of a switch. Mm. I was now thrown into this life of, as you say, not necessarily even looking at food as the individual pieces of food on your plate or what they may be. It's almost like you now have to view your food as a way of calculating your insulin dose and how, how that can then keep your blood sugar level. So I think I was at an age where I was old enough to realize the severity of diabetes and I was old enough to understand that I had to take care of this condition that I now have. Yeah. There isn't necessarily any alternative to me not taking care of myself. Yeah. So I was lucky in that way because of the age that I was. So I always find it hard to think of say young kids who get it when they're, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, And they may not understand why they've now got this condition and they don't understand why they have to inject themselves and check their blood sugar. From somebody who has grown up with it yourself and gone through elementary school and high school, is there any one piece of advice you would offer to a parent who might be listening with a young child or a young child themselves that doesn't really know how to take this whole thing in? So I think the biggest piece of advice for parents um, is, it's really one word, equip. Um, equip your, your children to take care of themselves and to know how to do things. Because I know like a lot of parents and like, if you, if you care about someone, you're going to want to take care of them, which is natural. That's, that's exactly what we are are wired to do um but it comes to a point when they turn 18 or 19 when they go to, off to college move out and start doing their own thing but if they don't know how to take care of themselves then no one's going to be able to take care of them while they're away from you you know um so t- equipping your child or your son, your daughter, whoever it is, to be able to take care of themselves properly is huge. Especially nowadays when, I don't know, everything's so crazy. People can go across the country or across the world um, for university, which is awesome. But it's also really scary. Um, so having confidence in your your kid or your son or daughter to do that um, is huge. But if you are a youngster who is just diagnosed or um, has had diabetes for a while, um, I think the biggest thing I can tell you is don't let diabetes stop you from from doing anything that you want to do. 
um, whether it's becoming a pilot, becoming a um, professional athlete, um, anything that, that you want to do, diabetes isn't necessarily a roadblock. It's just a detour that you have to take and do things a little bit differently um, and do things a little bit smarter in order to achieve your goals. Couldn't agree more, Austin. And I was very, very well put. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Very reassuring, I must say. And it reminds me back to when even I was diagnosed too, because obviously I was like, what is going on here? What does my life entail? What do I, I now have to do? And as I said, I was at that age where I wanted to be going out with friends and I wanted to be going to bars or whatever it was. And I was so concerned about how this was going to affect my social life and if I could live a normal life as a 19-year-old. But the nurse that was kind of looking after me the weekend that I was diagnosed, she said, Owen, you can live your life exactly as you always have, but diabetes is just like stirring a pot on one side where you live your life but as long as you stir that pot and don't let it get too hot or overflow then everything is going to be just fine that's great so, I, I like so I, that i think it's a good analogy to have yeah definitely so listen you went from a child adolescent teenager now a big boy and <laughs> you have looked after yourself and obviously you have done a very good job. You're obviously a master of your own diabetes. When did you begin then to make the shift from just taking care of yourself and your own health and your own diabetes into now the community that you have online and sharing your experience, your thoughts, your worries, the good days, the bad days? When did you join that online diabetes community now that we're both hugely involved in. So that was actually an accident. I I never really intended on doing like what I do today. I've always grown up loving to educate and encourage people with diabetes uh, because I I, I was blessed enough to be able to like attend diabetes camps and um, kind of get a lot of different worldviews from there um, and and how to approach diabetes and and, um, and the mental game and, and the, the physical aspect of it. But when I was, I was probably 20, um, I took a year off from school when I worked for a uh, marketing firm. I did, I did their marketing for them. And it was, it was weird because like I was living at home when I didn't necessarily want to. I was working in an office job, uh, nine to five, and I was just kind of sitting on my butt, like waiting for my boss to tell me what to do. And so I hadn't, like, I would go to work and then I'd go to the gym and then I would do nothing. And so I needed a creative outlet to do something positive and something that to help somebody else. And so I started Everyday T1D and that literally, if you scroll back to the very, very, very beginning, um, it's literally just pictures of like post-gym pic- selfies, like in the gym mirror with me just like, blood sugar was a little bit high today. Hopefully the gym <laughs> can come down. Um, or like today sucked, blood sugar was high all day. Or um, I had a few lows in a row. That was annoying. And it was just like 
experiences of like my life with diabetes with like zero like filter in in like um the context of it uh and so it, it started out with literally just like gym selfies of me telling people how my day with diabetes was um and that turned into um people really liking what i was posting and my honesty and my my authenticity um because i didn't really sugarcoat anything i was just like well this sucked i was 400 today for seven hours um or whatever it was (laughs) and uh, it just kind of snowballed into the page it is today and then here i am so it's like a a steady progression isn't it you start off with with not not necessarily having any expectations from it, but just to share that inevitably with normal life, but particularly with diabetes, there are always going to be ups and downs, ups and downs, no matter what you do. Absolutely, I'm still in awe. Like I'm, I'm just kind of like figuring it out as I go along. Still today, I don't take as many gym selfies, so I think that's a plus. But um, <laughs> it's a uh, it's something different. And I think what I've always appreciated with your page and everything that you do is, as you said, sorry, that was my, my chair. Scooping. <laughs> as, <laughs> as you said yourself, you don't like to sugarcoat it. Excuse the pun. But <laughs> the good part about your page and what I've always loved is the fact that you have always been and you strike me as somebody who is very, very positive and you seem like a very happy guy, which is great to see. But... You also aren't afraid to tell people when you have a shit day with diabetes or your yeah. blood sugars are up and down and the, the mental toll that it takes too. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, like when I first started, like obviously with all the gym selfies, you probably think it'd be like a fitness page, which I actually contemplated on doing for a while. Um, but I just, I, I never, I, wa- I didn't want to like close myself into a single like, demographic or audience or, or whatever it is because of the, again, like the, the mental toll that diabetes takes on you. It's, it's one of the hardest things that, that I've had to deal with is like diabetes burnout and um, all of the baggage that comes with having diabetes, even with me, like being, um, I think I'm a pretty positive person as well. Um, and I think my roommates and most other people I know would say the same, but it's every once in a while you just hit that that wall and you're just like oh this disease sucks like Mm. when is it gonna end um and things like that it's it's so hard to keep a positive perspective and so hard to realize the bigger picture and like the opportunities and the friends like you and, and jillian and david and all those guys who um are my friends because I met them through this disease, you know, um, and it's it's so hard to keep that that in perspective. But when you have people to keep you accountable, like you and and um, all the people that that follow me on my page, um, it helps a ton. And it's it's really really cool to have the ability to. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. No, I know. It's, I I completely agree. I feel that even from my own perspective, the psychological aspect of diabetes is never addressed with your nurse or your doctor. 
and the true extent of how big a toll it can take on on your mental health yeah as much as your physical health is almost neglected when yeah it was it was neglected when when i was diagnosed and i didn't i didn't even understand that like if i have blood sugars up and down up and down up and down yeah physically i'm gonna feel awful yeah but mentally i'm gonna feel awful too and if my bloods are up and down my mood is up and down and mm-hmm. if i wake up with a high blood sugar i'm like oh i don't even want to get out of bed i've no motivation yeah. to do anything and as you say it's about being able to no matter how bad you feel physically or mentally still be able to look at the bigger picture and the page that you have and the community that we're involved in and the hundreds of thousands of diabetics who are out there that are just like me and you makes it a hell of a lot easier to deal with the bad days because all you have to do is turn Mm -hmm. on your phone send a message reach out to somebody and somebody will say they've had a worse day with their blood sugar you know that kind of way it's 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 really cool to again like we have that communication at the touch of um, our fingers and like you can tell like I can go out and tell my roommates like oh sorry guys like my blood sugar is really high right now I'm not I'm not feeling great and they can only understand to a certain point they can only empathize for for a, a split second of what I'm saying um, but when I when I text you like when I texted you this morning um, I could have been like hey like dude my, my blood sugar is like 500 like let's not let's not do the podcast obviously i won't say that i'd I'd still go through with it but um (laughs) you would understand what i'm going through what i'm feeling you would have that empathy that a lot of people like in our normal lives don't have um so i think the having that community to be able to um just understand what you're going through just makes you feel that much less alone there's your next (laughs) call Um, Are you high or low? I'm going high. I, I <laughs> perfect timing. My... Perfect timing. <laughs> let me uh, let me check my let me check my blood sugar just while we're here. So, for Irish listeners or European listeners, one fifty nine. Like in Irish readings. So that, yeah, that, that's pretty high. Get yourself down. Not too high though. <laughs> no, I set so. I set my Dexcom um, a little bit lower um, because I find that if it goes off um, earlier, I have more time to bring it back down before it gets to a limit where I was like, ah, die. Yeah, fair. So I've just done my prehistoric blood <laughs> sugar check without a CGM and. Because I don't have a CGM, I was not notified that my <laughs> blood sugar is even higher than yours, Austin. Uh, what are you? So <laughs> I'm 10 right now. Dang. So I have shorts on, so I'm literally injecting my leg as we speak. There, there you go. go. Sometimes I miss doing injections. Is that come back to the, the same? Come back to the dark side. <laughs> Why do you miss doing injections? I don't know. Um, like when I was... <laughs> All right, so this is... Not a story I'm proud of, but when I was in high school, <laughs> um, so football in Texas is huge. Like every not not your soccer football, not football, like American football. <laughs> football. Um, 
American football is huge in Texas. Like um, we have stadiums that are um, like high school stadiums that are almost as big as professional stadiums. Like it's Dallas Cowboys down there. Isn't yeah. It? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, but so at football games when I was in high school, I'd walk around um, and I'd, I for some, I would always eat a lot of food before I went for some reason, which I I was an idiot in high school. Um, but <laughs> I would I would walk around and be like, "Hey, do you want to see me stab myself?" And then people would be like, "Yeah!" And then so I give myself insulin to bring me down. Um, they were like, "Oh, do it again!" Um, <laughs> and so I go get more food and just go give myself more insulin. So I'm I was I was a weird man. I don't ask me what I work with the ladies. Um, I don't know. Man. I was scared to talk to girls when I was when I was younger. It was, uh, Just bring out your insulin pen. Yeah, there that you go. The job. <laughs> I should have. I should have. You'll know now for the next time. Take out your CGM. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Austin. I am going to finish off by asking you one question. I want to finish it on a positive note. People have obviously discovered that you are a very, very wise diabetic and a positive man, but. If you had the opportunity to tank diabetes for something, what would it be? Oh, man. If I could thank diabetes, I would say thank you. Hmm. There's a lot I could, I could thank for, for diabetes. This is tough. Sorry for putting you on the spot. Oh, no, you're, you're good. <laughs> this is your All right, job. If, if, yeah, if I was to ask myself the same question, I would thank diabetes for making sure that I now never take my health for granted mm. and also has given me the opportunity to become even more resilient than I have been in the past. Mm. Okay, so give me multiple things. Yeah, you go on. Okay. It doesn't have to just be one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So if I had to thank diabetes, um, I think I would be thankful for um, the people that it has brought into my life and the relationships that it's given me um, with you, for example. Um, and I think I would, I would thank diabetes for helping me learn to be intentional with my words and my actions uh, because without it, I think I'd be all over the place. And now rather than thinking before doing, I would just kind of do things and hope for the best. Um, but I think diabetes has helped me be more wise and more thoughtful in um, my actions. Like before I go to the gym, I need to make sure I'm, at a certain level, you know, you can't just go and be like 500 and still get a good workout because uh, that's not how our bodies work. So I think we have to live more consciously. Yeah. We have to be, we have to be cognizant of what are not like just mentally what, where we're at, but what our bodies are doing and how they're feeling. Um, Absolutely. So yeah. I would love to get you on again to talk about just the fitness side of things and the strategies that you follow to ensure that you keep your blood sugar steady. So if you do that at some stage, I'd love to get you back on. But for now, Austin, thank you so much for coming on. It was really good to talk to you again. We shouldn't leave it so long <laughs> the next time. Definitely. And well, I'll give if, you... if you don't follow Austin 
already definitely check him out on instagram i presume you're on twitter are you Austin? uh i am or not not super mostly happy, instagram yeah. and his tag is at everyday type one so check him out great guy Great friend, Austin. Thank you so much. Thanks, Owen. You are the man. <laughs> Have a good one. I'll talk to you soon. You too. Thank you for listening to the Insulon podcast. Make sure to subscribe so each episode goes directly to your phone. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Insulon. And if you have any question you'd like answered on the podcast, you can email it to theinsulonepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>